Welcome to Flipped, the Irish animation podcast. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Aidan. And welcome to the fourth episode of Flipped. Yes, we've made it to number four. Um, and as usual, we'd love to thank uh, everyone for all their support and their tweeting and retweeting and sharing and telling people about the podcast. We, we really appreciate it. This interview um, Megan did is with Neve Sharkey. Uh, Neve is a um, children's book illustrator, writer, show creator, and uh, the current uh, laureate Nanog. Laureate Nanog is an initiative to promote the role and importance of literature for children in Ireland. Neve currently holds the two-year position and has been working to promote Irish literature and illustration and also encouraging creativity in children all around the world. Henry Hugo Monsters uh, is the show that Neve's created. Uh, it's directed by Norton Virgin of Rugrats fame and produced by Dublin-based studio Brown Bag Films. Neve also mentioned Picture, which is an ex- exhibition of 42 illustrations by 21 leading Irish book illustrators. It is currently on tour around mainland Europe, but will be coming to Ireland in the near future. Um, the date has not been finalised, but please see the IMA website for details. Yeah, and we'll mention it uh, on the next podcast or whenever we have the, the yeah, dates as well. absolutely. Um, so enjoy this interview. Yeah, I suppose we'll just start... Um, when I was doing research on you, you were talking about being an avid reader from the very beginning, and I think it's pretty clear you haven't lost that at all, being Laureate Nanog and everything like that. So, like, what, who encouraged you? Was it just kind of yourself, or? Yeah, um, well, I I always loved books when I was I was a kid. That's what my mum always says. I always had my head stuck in a book, okay. um, and books were my first love. Right. And when I was little. Um, we used to go to the mobile library used to come once a week to Swords which is like a bus library (laughs) and they used to park down the end of our road and every week I'd rob my brothers and sisters library cards because I wanted books so much Um, so I went there got out books Uh, even when I was a kid things that I loved were the Beano Um, I used to get the Beano every week and then I used to make my own comics with my brother Daniel And other books I loved were the Dr. Seuss books and Where the Wild Things Are. And they're American books and not many people got them here. So I think somebody must have brought them back over to us. But we didn't have a huge amount of books in our house. It was mostly books I got in the library. But I just remember that was my favourite thing was like sitting on my bed, being lost in a world. Um, And so that has kind of formed my whole life. Like I wasn't brilliant at drawing when I was a kid, but books was the first thing. That got you into it and, and and illustrations or was it just like you didn't mind whether they were illustrations? Yeah, well I guess like because the books I love like the Doctor Seuss and Where the Well Things Are, they're very visual, so I loved the visuals as well as the story and then the interplay between the words and the pictures as well really interested me even when I was a kid and then making up my own stories so even when I was making up my own comics with Daniel my brother Mm -hmm. that would have been my first kind of stories that I would when you think back on it now they would have been my first written (laughs) picture books no because my mum threw out everything oh no I know (laughs) she's just one of those mums who when I moved out she did a big clear out (laughs) so because even for Offset I was trying to gather some early images and I was saying to mum anything anything and she was like no sorry about that sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) that was brilliant so somewhere in uh, in a skip somewhere someone's going to oh it's long gone uh, Megan (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh, one of your friends kind of got you into art um, yeah Um, one of my best friends my best friend in school was a girl called Michelle Mm -hmm. and she was really good at art so we used to kind of walk to school together 
um, and she was the first person who I saw kept keeping sketchbooks and mm. notebooks and that had a huge effect on me yeah. um, so I saw her drawing and I naturally kind of you know was got interested in it as well but I always thought she was the arty one and even I'm always kind of saying in school oh Michelle was the arty one but my friends always say to me what are you talking about you were always drawing all over everything so maybe I've just got a warped memory of that time but she definitely had an effect on you know my parents aren't artists I'd never come in contact with I don't think I would have ever been in the inside of an art gallery or anything until I was much older so she was the first kind of creative really creative person I would have met. Okay, that's good. And is anybody else in your family sort of, like, have they followed? Uh, yeah, my sister Emer studied fine, fine art and she's, like, really good at drawing mm-hmm. and painting. She never did it as a career. But she ended up working, actually, in the book industry. So she works, um, she works in a library services business. So she's ended up working so in books. books. Is, the love of books is strong, I think, yeah. with all of us in our family. Yeah. And that would have been encouraged by my parents. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Um, so then after college, um, you got a few commissions, but then you went to Australia. Mm. And uh, I loved that picture that you showed of where you illustrated your first book in so, Tasmania. So what was it wrote? So, yeah. So my first book um, happened by chance. So I got my first... Did, first, I did book covers in Ireland. Um, and then I went traveling in Australia. And I ended up meeting this guy and living in Tasmania for a while. And he offered, you know, I knew I had to illustrate this book for Barefoot Books. And he said, you can, you know, use my hut. (laughs) But I kind of thought it would be a little bit more More well-equipped. But it was just like a really basic hut, tin roof and no electricity, no water. And the water was basically, if you wanted to have a bath, you ran a coil through a fire from the river into an open bath outside. So it was a bit basic. So... We stayed for a holiday, but okay. then we, I ended up renting a place to do the book in. Right. And okay. that was in Hobart in Tasmania. Okay. And do you find, like, with the with the limited everything, that it was better for creativity? Or, or was it just, like... Yeah, well, know, because it? it was my first picture book, I learned a lot from doing that book because I had only... Even in college, you might do project work but I might have only done like 20 or 30 illustrations in my whole of third and fourth year mm-hmm. altogether but this book was over I think it was 60 or 70 drawings so I learned a lot about character designing characters yeah. colors setting just like working out how a picture book works then you you did learn an awful lot from your from your first book and it didn't scare you off uh, clearly making picture books. Yeah, well, I re- remember doing the first book in Tasmania and because it was so many drawings, I was painting from first thing in the morning mm-hmm. all through the day until about two or three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then I'd get up the next day and do it again. Like, I had a really tight deadline on right. it and not much money because okay. it was a very small amount of money that they gave me to make it. So I had to do it fast. But so I worked seven days a week on it for a couple of months. But I was like a gibbering wreck at the end of it. And I remember <laughs> saying to Owen, I'm never going to do another book again. Because yeah. it really wiped me out. Okay. Because it was so intense. Um, and I remember saying, that's it. I'm not doing any more books. But then I took a few months off, went traveling in India. And when I got back, I was broke enough to say yes to okay. the next book. <laughs> so... Brilliant. The second book then that I did was The Gigantic Turnip, and that's like a retelling of a Russian tale. Oh, nice. Um, and I loved doing that because that was very much my first picture book because it was 32 pages, the same characters throughout the whole book, mm-hmm. and a cast of 
animal characters. You know, there was like two chickens and three cats, mm. uh, four speckled hens. So it was a great fun to learn, you know, designing characters. I learned a lot from that book. Yeah. Um, and then the colours I used. I, use, I usually buy a set of colours for every book. So when I'm doing, a, you know, a new picture book, I go out and I just go this will be totally different than my previous book, so I'll just go out and buy 15 new paints. Oh, nice. And that's the palette. Okay. So the gigantic turnip is real autumnal and dark, mm-hmm. um, and people kind of say it's almost like Czech animation. Oh, nice. It's really simple and graphic shapes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went on to make that book. Okay. Um, and uh, what would you go and... Uh, I suppose you'd research anyway, but would you go after particular artists for a style reference or anything like that or are you just kind of like drawing whatever you feel is well yeah for, for the first book it was a collection of tales so it was called tales of wisdom and wonder and that was a collection of tales from all over the world so i did research in sydney before i went to tasmania to work on the book so say for instance one of the stories was a cree indian tale about a little girl so i and it was like based long time ago so i went and researched what the cree indians would wear you know there was the type of snowshoes they would have used the markings on their clothing mm-hmm. and so even though my work is real graphic yeah. in nature I wanted you know for all of those details to be authentic so yeah. then if a Cree woman was reading it to her daughter you know they would recognize that they were they were the real thing you right. know yeah. so that was very important to me in all my early books like in the gigantic turnip I really just made it all up because it was a Russian tale yeah. and it didn't tie in but a lot of my books say tales from old Ireland again I did loads of research in the museums um, in Ireland and, you know, mythological sites and stuff. And I used all the little symbols throughout the book. So I like to do that in the stories that are based on folk tales. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then things like uh, the Ravenous Beast or anything like that. Did you do the same? Chose a palette and then... Yeah, with, with the Ravenous Beast, it very much it's a, a colour palette as well. And that came from a little greeting card that I'd done called Ravenous Monsters and I loved the idea of monsters just eating crazy things so I think there was a pig <laughs> in the first drawing there was a pig eating a tin of beans and yeah. some crazy things yeah. um, and then I developed it from there working out what the character would look like but I would I'd go and I'd just paint the Ravenous Beast lots of different times in different colour combinations yeah. until I was happy and usually you know I'll do them all and I can nearly just pinpoint the one that feels right mm-hmm. I just go with like a gut instinct yeah. like even with Henry when I did the Hugglewugs I painted them all purple dark colours mm-hmm. first but then when I did a much brighter colour palette it just felt right yeah. so that's what I go with kind of gut feelings about you know choice of colours yeah. um, but in some of the books um, say Jack and the Beanstalk was an early one I did I was really into Paul Klee's work at the oh, time yeah. so there's low if you look at the backgrounds there's loads of flower details and trees that are really influenced by Klee yeah. um, and I'd be like that I'd go through a Bruegel phase or a different character okay. and I'd be really influenced by them yeah. as well I know from seeing when we went to that gallery show and um, from Offset as well when you're talking about your process I'm always struck by how similar it is to the animation process like your your teeny tiny book your mock-up mm-hmm. is pretty much like the storyboard oh, and, yeah. and you put in so much detail I've never really thought of that before yeah it's so it's so similar and, and you kind of think of that well I was thinking of it as like the animatic for, yeah for I've never really thought of that oh, before really? but I suppose it is similar and maybe that's why I love the animation so much mm-hmm. um is that you know when you first come up with an idea you design I design the characters mm-hmm. 
and then I write the story but I write the story with the images as well okay, so I would do it in a notebook and I'd have the image but then play little bits of text off and figure out the story but then I make a dummy book like that's what you're saying yeah. it's almost like an animatic version yeah. but so it's a little tiny black and white version of the, of the book mm-hmm. and you might make loads of those to make yeah. sure the story works mm-hmm. um, and you would do all of that in black and white before you go to any colour work and they would the, your publisher would wait and sign off you know, on the story before. I'm I'm always dying to start. It's okay. probably like us in here, <laughs> that you're dying to start the animation, you're dying to start the colour mm. and, you know, for it to Get be to beautifully stage, lit on yeah. the next stage. And I'm always really hungry for that, but they hold you back, you know. And I was talking to, actually, it was the Austrian laureate. He's um, the Aboriginal laureate. He's a storyteller. But he was saying how hard it is and how much he fights with his editor, you know, and he, you know, it's almost like a battle and, you know, you're fighting with each other over every word, over every comma, over every image. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you've got the book and everybody goes, oh, what a <laughs> lovely book. It's so nice, you know, and it's just kind of like, it was like, what about all those arguments we had over text size and stuff? But then you've got yeah. this beautiful thing at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it's worth all. And it's like us with the animation. Yeah. It's so many different battles along the way. But at the end, you're like, wow, look at yeah. what we've made, it you know. Works. It yeah. works, it's a good story, you know, yeah. the characters are there, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So I suppose that's interesting that, you know, I kind of thought um, as with the illustration in the book and everything like that, well, I suppose it would be more solo, but at least you, you do have some of that collaboration, but there's more collaboration then with the animation, and I kind of got the impression that you were saying that you really enjoy that aspect of it. Yes, you know. I've really kind of embraced working on the animation because I've gone from working in my attic mm-hmm. on my by myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's fine, but I've had to be like the director, mm-hmm. you know, I've had to kind of organise everything in the picture book yeah. um, where you come into Brown Bag Films and you work with a team of people, with the director and the writer and the whole people who are helping you to design the world. And I've loved being part of it. Mm-hmm. I And I wouldn't have known how much I would have, you know, enjoyed the collaboration until I did it. Yeah. And then I'm going, wow, this is the way I like to work now. Yeah. And I suppose the, uh, the patience that you would have had for the picture books is a good thing to have for animation. Cause yeah, it well, so it, you know, a picture book takes a year, but an animation nearly takes, yeah, yeah you know, two years, years eight, you know, 18 months to, from start yeah. to finish. And how, like, Hobo Monsters was, was it about eight years altogether between... I wrote the book, um, I think, in 2007, um, and then I've been working on it ever since. So it came out as a book, and it was interesting with the book came from the idea of my notebooks Mm -hmm. Um, because David my editor he liked the way I kept notebooks and wrote little bits in them and Mm -hmm. had um, drawings in them so we kind of said we'd do a book that was a little bit different than the normal so we didn't want it to be a straightforward narrative so um, Henry is the main character but he's it's almost like a day in the life Mm -hmm. and he brings you through the book and he kind of talks to you and they do playing and dancing and, and different things. And we've kept that in the show as well, that very much he talks to camera, mm. he engages with the audience. Um, and then it's just a, like a book about a family of monsters mm. seen through a five-year-old monster's eyes. Yeah. Um, but um, it's just been great fun. Yeah. And do you find like if, if you're kind of looking into doing other books that you're thinking about things differently, do you, do you still keep that graphic element that you always 
would have there or are you kind of like oh I could get a different angle oh have I learned from the animation are are you kind of thinking Um, about it differently even I suppose when I make books I always make books with the audience in mind that I always try to make like my audience is really young so I make books for like two to six year olds um, I think they're the best audience of all. They're just so savvy and smart. Um, and then we're making the show for the exact same audience. Yeah. So I think that's why I feel comfortable mm. with that age group. Um, and then I suppose I kind of just make them like I always make them. I come up with the idea in my notebook. Um, I've definitely, I think now if I get stuck, I'm much more likely to ask somebody for help. Right. You know, where before... Um, I would have battled at home in my studio but mm-hmm. now if I've got an idea I might ask Norton or Sasha what do you think or do yeah. you think I could tell this in a different way mm-hmm. and that's what I've loved about working on the show is you get stuck sometimes when you're on on your own as a creative mm-hmm. but if you're part of a team everybody's dreaming up the stories together they're pitching in and you'll never really get stuck yeah. because there's always a way you know it sounds like Coco Monster <laughs> finally, but there's always a way yeah. and that's what's really nice about it that you might get stuck but somebody will say how about you look at it in this direction Mm -hmm. so I've learned to think differently creatively about kind of solving creative problems and that's been interesting yeah 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 absolutely um I I was gonna ask I thought it was really interesting that you know Hug a Monster is really I I reread the book Mm. and uh I was just really happy to well I don't know how you feel about it but I was just kind of going that the spirit, the madness, the everything that the book is about is in the TV show. And you kind of think with all the back and forth and so many people working on it that something would get lost. But I didn't feel it. Did, did you? Are yeah, you happy with no, I'm of? really, really happy with the way yeah. that has turned out. And I think it's a testament just to the team in Brown Bag who have worked on it and just the personalities who have brought so much to the project. Like Norton, you know, as the director has brought just, you know, a really... You know, he didn't. We've kind of worked on it together, Norton, Sasha, and myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, really pleased with the way that you know the show has turned out because mm-hmm. I think really the guys and the team in Bag have really kind of captured the essence and the spirit of mm-hmm. the original story. And that's what Norton was saying. Almost sometimes people in Hollywood they like to change the property and put their that's own stamp on it about, yeah. yeah but I think because I've been here working on it a couple of days a week and then it's very much a collaboration mm-hmm. like Beth in Disney Norton and Sasha and all the team in here we've yeah. just worked together mm-hmm. to make the show and I think that's what's made it so special and so strong yeah. I think just Brona really you know as the art director she really got what the show was going to be like Mm -hmm. and what the look of it as well and you know she didn't veer from and she probably kept it more you know even me real true to it as well because we almost start thinking as one after a little while but it is an unusual looking world like what I love about the show as well is that it's a it's a world Mm -hmm. and that's the way I always make my books but Dunica created like a world where it's not separate sets you can bring the camera anywhere Mm -hmm. in Warsville from any angle and that's really like as a filmmaker I'm not even a filmmaker but it's really (laughs) exciting as an illustrator to be able to do that and then Brona was really true to you know say the trees for instance in the book 
which are really unusual. I, yeah. I draw these really unusual wiry kind of trees. And then trees. we just, I just basically drew a circle tree and she was like, yep, yeah, that's the one. And it was hard because we were kind of going, well, they're flat little lollipop trees. Yeah. You know, and I was like, shouldn't it look like a real tree? And she's like, no, it looks like you're a Neve Sharkey tree. So yeah. we need to keep it like that. Yeah. So it's a testament to Brona's just like, strong vision as well <laughs> that you know everything had to be huggle monstery yeah. you know and a swirl and you know just that look about mm-hmm. it as well so she really captured and that whose idea was it to because i i love the brush strokes on everything i yeah about that whose idea was that just a collaborative well sort of thing or? in my all of my artwork that's my technique so mm-hmm. i usually put down brush strokes with gesso first mm-hmm. and all of my books I would put it down with old toothbrushes so yeah. they all of my artwork has a rough textured feel mm-hmm. and what Brona just said was we'll just scan in that artwork mm-hmm. and she's basically scanned the original artwork and then they textured all of the characters mm-hmm. and all of the world with my original brush strokes so it, it makes it on yeah, yeah well it makes it very of me as well because yeah. you know they are from you know my original artwork the exact texture and Brona didn't change that at all yeah I, I love to see I don't know how many people are going to see the the original pilot and like I remember watching it thinking it looked fantastic and like how could it get better than that obviously the the eyes were probably the only thing that I noticed were yeah kind of a, a little bit strange um in 3d but uh then when you look at what it is now you're like wow okay it's a really a jump from what we did in the pilot yeah Yeah. so we first made the very basic and I suppose I draw in a very very graphic way so I'm much more angular and spiky Mm -hmm. um, and brown bag and brona they had to kind of tweak that a little bit Mm -hmm. so that's what I was saying to you in my books my eyes would be much more you know almost pop out from the characters but we had to make everything more rounded Mm -hmm. and more cute as well I guess more lovable so you can see a huge difference between our pilot character but I'm really fond of him as well because it has a real handmade feel to it you know almost like claymation or something I think but um I think we've you know in the final animation we, there's a lot of stretch mm-hmm. and flexibility with the characters like we've pushed the monstriness so when they roar you know the mouths vibrate and the world vibrates as well so I think like the quality of the animation is you know yeah. outstanding I'm just very proud of the fact that it, we've retained that spirit we've retained the monstriness yeah. the anarchy the fun of the book and captured like Henry's character as well yeah. you know like I really feel like we are showing a monster family yeah um, in, all we, in all their glory <laughs> and, and, and sometimes they are messy and mm. slobbery and that's good you know yeah. it's good to show that and I think as well the stories the way we've made the stories in Brown Bag that each one is almost like a mini feature where anything can happen mm. and that's been really creatively you know I've really enjoyed that so much yeah and um, where you don't that we're not following a formula I think we've pushed the boundaries of preschool as well mm-hmm. and the stories are fun and um, you know smart savvy and like hopefully kids will love them yeah and not talking down to the audience which yeah you know, feel quite and that's about. I feel very strongly about yeah. that because like I think when you're making books or when you're making any work mm-hmm. for children, you should take them seriously, as seriously as making, you know, art for, for adults as well. And they're just as they're more sometimes savvy than we give them account for. So yeah. I think we should make really smart, funny shows for smart, funny kids. Yeah.
I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I don't know if you want to talk about, um, I'm sure you've been asked so many questions about uh, being laureus and, you know, but if there's anything in particular that you wanted to talk about, you were saying that you were particularly proud of uh, Picture. Yeah, um, there's a few things, like I'm coming up to my first year yeah. as laureate Nanog. So in the first year, I was overwhelmed at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it, what's great about, I think, our laureate Nanog is they let the individual put their own stamp on it mm-hmm. so because I'm a picture bookmaker and an illustrator my work has both been visual as well as you know encouraging storytelling mm-hmm. then my job is easy mm-hmm. you know and <laughs> um, we've got amazing picture book illustrators and authors in Ireland so I my job is to kind of promote mm-hmm. Irish illustration abroad and and in Ireland as well and one of the uh, projects I'm most proud of is picture so it's an exhibition of 21 Irish illustrators that I've brought to Vienna where 13,000 children saw it in one weekend to the Bologna Book Fair where it was seen from by publishers from all over the world mm-hmm. and we had a really strong Irish presence there and we're just back from Brussels where it was in the hall of the European Parliament so just I know you know it made the evening news last weekend <laughs> so I know that I've done you know, good work on that. Yeah. Um, and then I'm hoping I can grow those projects over the next year where it's coming back to Dublin and it's going to be in IMA. I'm really proud that it's going to be in IMA, like, you know, our modern art gallery. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't normally show illustration in a gallery like that. Mm. So I'm particularly proud of that. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. And um, all the... Oh, something very, very important that I need to ask you. Sure. Um, the Radio Doodle. Oh, yeah. How did that work? Because my mind was kind of blown hearing about that. Yeah, well, another one of my projects is the Monster Doodle. So I will use any means necessary (laughs) to get the nation doodling. And there's a young woman, um, Gronya Clear, who runs a radio show called Little Pages. And I suggested to her that we try to do a live radio doodle. And she totally embraced it. So we did it on the radio, but we also did a, you know, podcast or what would you call it like Uh, it was cast a video blog right at the same time Mm -hmm. and we did a step-by-step you know doodle um drawing up draw along just just before christmas Mm -hmm. on rt radio and there was great response to it as well do people send in loads of stuff um yeah yeah we saw kind of we asked kids to send in you know we made christmas cards and we drew different characters and they sent in their 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 drawings but we also another thing that we tried as well for because as laureate, lots of people want me to go to different places yeah. and I can't do them all. Yeah. So for the launch of Book Festival last October, we tried a Google Doodle. So I did the huge monster doodle. So the project that I do is I roll a huge roll of paper out and I draw kind of a monster, Henry monster, and I get the kids to do, join in with me step by step and then I let them free and they fill, you know, metres of paper with monster doodles yeah. in beautiful oil pastels. But we filmed it in Tala Library and we beamed it into schools around Ireland. Nice. But they joined me, you know, live when yeah. we were doing it. And I could see the kids awesome. from all over Ireland yeah. doodling uh, as well as the kids who were at the event. Yeah. So, you know, I'll try and do some more of those, yeah. you know, this year. Um, and another thing that I'm doing, Fingal, where I live, um, are going to do a year of illustration to celebrate the laureate mm-hmm. and they're going to do illustrators in schools so they've launched hopefully soon a project where eight illustrators will go into pre- right from preschools mm-hmm. 
up to older children and do eight week workshops with them mm -hmm. and then we're going to do three huge drawing family days over the summer as well so mm -hmm. all these things are coming out and I'm like how am I going to do them all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they seem so fun like that that's that's something that I've always noticed yeah about you, like you just kind of like you come at things from a different angle and it's so I mean as a kid being able to draw on a big sheet of paper on the floor yeah. like that's magic but that's, that's what I yeah. really think it's important that we give children access mm -hmm. to good art materials it's like that yeah. you know access to books as well mm -hmm. but also you know give them nice paper mm -hmm. you know and that's what we do with the monster doodle we use really nice italian fabriano paper yeah. and oil pastels that are not super expensive but the difference between giving them you know not a great pencil yeah and a chunky oil pastel that's full of color is yeah. amazing and you can see how much they get from it like at one of my events the kids were going mad, drawing monsters all over the place. And then one little fella said to me at the end, I am an artist. Aww. And I kind of went, wow, you know? Yeah. Like if, you know, if I've touched one little kid or if yeah. I've got one little kid excited about drawing, yeah. um, I'd be really proud of that. Yeah. But I think it's up to adults as well to get excited about, like, you know, because we all grow up and we go, oh, I'm no good at drawing. Yeah. You know, and I was saying at one of my events, I asked the audience, you know, who's good at drawing? And about two hands went up in the whole room. And yeah. I was like, guys, you know, yeah. you are good at drawing. And then I said, when you're on the phone, you know, hands up who doodles on the phone, who draws, you know, squiggles and stuff. Mm -hmm. And about like three quarters of the audience oh, put up their hands. And I was like, guys, you are drawing. Yeah. You just don't realize yeah. it's drawing, <laughs> you know. So like, I think it's up to us to say, I'm, I'm drawing and I'm proud of it. Because yeah. I think if kids see, you know, it's like when a kid sees you reading they think it's cool. It's like mom is reading. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I want to read too. Yeah. And I think it's the same with drawing. If kids see, you know, adults drawing, then it's okay to yeah. be an artist. It's okay to draw. Great. And what about, um, I suppose, just to finish up, because we've actually covered everything. This is amazing. Wow. Um, I didn't <laughs> expect that. But um, what have been your favourite stages, I suppose, just going back to Hug a Monster is... Um, I know that the pre-production is so lovely when you're getting a chance to illustrate and you know design the characters but were there other stages that were particularly great for you? Yeah like I've loved every stage because they have all been different and mm -hmm. um, I've learned so much from working on the show in Brown Bag Films. One of my particularly favorite memories is when I first started the first couple of weeks you know we have the book mm. and the book is you know like the beginning of the world so there's a house and there's Henry and I, I think I had about 12 friends and family in the book but then we had to create a whole world so for an illustrator that's just like heaven yeah so I had to you know working with Derek in Brown Bag was a real highlight for me so I came in every day and myself and Derek he was so enthusiastic <laughs> about creating this monster world so we had to come up with all of the additional friends we created, you know, just drawing it in pencil, um, you know, creating all the enormo characters that appear in the world, all of the sets. Like Derek did most of the sets and the little bits and bobs, adding Hugo Monster twist to it. And I did most of the characters, just drawing them in black and white ink. So I really enjoyed that. But I've enjoyed every part of it, you know, um, because it was like I've learned so much along the way. Um, and I think it's been fantastic, you know, working with someone like Norton, mm -hmm. who has brought, you know, a, 
just a unique vision to it as well mm. and has been so generous creatively working with Sasha they've been just great memories you know brilliant thank you so much so special thanks to Neve Sharkey for that lovely interview and if you want to see Hobo Monsters you can catch it on Disney Channel I will leave notes below as to the exact times so yeah last podcast we talked about an amazing fantastic competition that we're going to have so we are dragging ourselves into the early 21st century and I've got a Facebook page (laughs) just barely so the Facebook page is uh, www.facebook.com uh, forward slash flipped podcast so if you like that page if you go to that page and you like it you will be entered in a competition to win the wonderful hardback uh, covered book The Art of Hotel Transylvania which is very exciting and I'm very upset that I cannot win it so all you have to do is like it to be entered and then um, if you live in the Republic of Ireland or Northern Ireland you will be entered into the draw and um, you could win we'll, we'll announce the winner on the next podcast yeah um, thanks if you want to catch up with us on Twitter I am on at the Meg Bar and I'm at Aidan McAteer uh, if you want to email the podcast it's flippedpodcast at gmail.com and uh, if you enjoy the podcast tell your friends and we'll see you next time yeah thanks bye <laughs>